Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In a world where insanity reigns supreme and safety pin manufacturers are running out of metal for the diapers of the leftists. It's comforting to know an ancient, fat, long-haired, bearded reprobate has your mind in mind. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California, and despite every attempt by the SHR Media Network to revoke his shameless contract, we return to the bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show, live and direct from the SHR, sumptuous, 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 and palatial SHR Media Studios, where we are broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California. I gotta tell you this, you gotta belly up to the bar, we've kept your seat, and it's great to see you back. Tonight happens to be Thursday, May 30th. May is almost gone, folks. The year of our Lord, 2019. And I got to tell you also that Snowball is going to be your bartendress tonight. She pours with the best of them, and the lava lamp is, in fact, lighted to my left ear right. Now, that indicates that I advise you to listen and chat at shrmedia.com. You can also watch the show on Big Sarge Media, the Big Sarge Media Facebook page, as well as the SHR Media Facebook page, and also the SHR Media YouTube channel where you can go there quick like a bunny, subscribe, like it, follow us, all that stuff on social media you're going to enjoy it I got to tell you this again we don't water our drinks just like we don't water our conversation politics, religion, crime, culture, economics, race, sex, science, law we talk about it all right here at the saloon nothing is sacred the speech is free but the booze is not all we ask is that you flush the toilet jiggle the handle and don't forget to tip your waitress tonight in the saloon In the first hour, we're going to have a unique gentleman that I just came across named Ray J. But I want to forewarn you, there's a little bit more to it 
than that. And then after uh, uh, after Ray J is uh, finished tonight, in the second hour, I hear rumors of the fact that Sackhead Sean may return in the second hour to plague and haunt my show. Which, I don't know, some people think that's okay. Some people like me think that yeah, the plague and haunt aspect is accurate. Although, some people would disagree. Um, here's the deal. Have you, have you ever been on the internet? And, and I, I warn you, folks. Ray J is on the line right now. This is going to be a lengthier intro, but roll with me on it tonight because I'm going somewhere. Have you ever been on the internet or social media and you've seen somebody who just managed to resonate with you immediately, okay? Tonight's guest, Ray J, who's never been here before, is one of those guys. Now, customarily, I have a lot of information about a guest before I feature them on the show. So, yeah, like I say, Ray uh, Ray has a, a Twitter presence and a YouTube presence. And, yes, I originally found him on Twitter uh, where he he features these in-car videos uh, featuring various conservatarian or conservative concepts. Now, in, the, in a normal world, someone's paint job really wouldn't matter. But this isn't a normal world. This is a world where, at least in the United States... That's driven by identity politics and melanin. It's a sad fact, but it has to be addressed and recognized. I'm going somewhere, like I say. I will get to Ray J, but I've never said this before on the show, so I'm going to say it now. It just came to me before the show. I've repeated for years this phrase. No one is equal until everyone is equal. It's a phrase that I'd, I'd like to think that Martha Luton, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., would embrace. I, I'd hope that would be true. MLK, he was a mortal man, okay? Just like all mortal men. He fooled around. He wasn't perfect like so many other people we know personally or in politics. People have tried to minimize or, or denigrate MLK for those reasons, but no matter what, it doesn't change his many messages. People are flawed. MLK was flawed. I am way flawed. But one of his most enduring quotes was, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. So he's right. In a normal world, that would be the standard. But this isn't a normal world. And no, I'm not trying to equate Ray J to Martin Luther King Jr. I'm trying to make this point, however... I mostly couldn't care less about people's paint jobs. I care instead about the philosophy of of individuals and or what they say or do. But today we've been told it's all about identity politics, and we are altogether way too easily pigeonholed by our melanin count instead of the true content of our character. Now, if if this sounds like way too much of a a preamble for the introduction of a guest, like I say, keep rolling with me, because I have to tell you this. Ray J is a black guy. In a normal world, that wouldn't mean much. But in this world, I tell you it so that you'll have an understanding, so that you begin to understand a commonality that I like to feature and embrace on my shows. And what I mean by that is is this. 
contrary to what's pounded into your head, your your ossicles, your brain housing group, day by day, hour by hour, there are actual conservative black Americans out there. I know, huge intake of air at this salient point. And I have to say black Americans because it's an identity politics driven world. And I didn't create that fact. Leftists did. Hang on, Ray J. Swear to God, I'm getting to you, brother. Now I'm name dropping purposely. I have Ken McClinton, Lonnie Poindexter, Ralph Chittam Sr., Melanie Collette, Ron Edwards, Shannon Wright, Michael Wright, and a whole bunch of other people. And yes, they are black consistently on my shows because they have voices that need to be heard. And moreover, I'm doing it to illustrate that black Americans are not this drone-like, monolithic, numb, non-thinking voting block for Democrats that will do their leftist master's bidding in perpetuity. You want to talk about breaking chains? Yeah, okay, let's break some chains. The chains that leftists, Democrats, and the American media maggots have had on black America for a host of reasons. And here's another sad fact that I haven't revealed until now. I get crap on social media and yes, in emails, where I have had people say to me, hey, why so many black people on your shows? What, you can't get anybody else to talk on your piece of crap little radio show? And worse. Now, in emails, I can't tell anyone's paint job, mostly, but I, I kind of can in social media when it's plain. And, and many of the folks, hope you're sitting down for this. Many of the folks that I could tell when I went, like, digging were leftists, of course, first, and some were black. To me, that screams something remarkably important. Everything I want to know about them, and that's this. Leftists, Democrats, and the American media maggots are frightened. They are scared. There's something starting to happen in this nation, and it's scaring the leftists. That's what I'm... That's what's responsible for the big push right now, okay, in our nation. And, and as I say, and I've said before, and on my blog, I, I write at the top of it, I am pushback. And again, hang on, Ray J, Ray J, I really swear I am getting to you. But I, mean, I need to make some points first. Points I've never really yet verbalized on the show, but I just felt the need to tonight. Leftists and Democrats are running scared right now, folks, on any number of levels, many levels. They're losing their brand. They're losing their grip. They're losing the argument. And they're losing their attachment to reality. I'm not sure they ever really had it, but in my opinion, it is worse than it has ever been. And it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse than that. But guess what? It's going to become even more unhinged as November of 2020 gets closer and closer. For this reason, it's all about to be exposed. The truth, their perfidy, the corruption, the lies, the money, the conspiracies. Yeah, I said conspiracies. And further, I'll submit another word for your consideration tonight. Treason. I've said it before and I'll say it again. I fervently believe that what we experienced was an actual soft coup against a U.S. citizen, a presidential nominee, a president-elect, and then a sitting president. 
if the United States can come down on individual persons, say, of Trump's stature because of their political leanings, imagine what it could do to you if it focused on you individually or your family. Why did a vast array of wealth and power, essentially the, the counterintelligence hand of an entire country, the United States, and possibly other countries as well, to include the UK and Australia? Why did they come down and focus on Trump and his campaign? Because they're scared. They were frightened. His concepts were a threat. They still are in many ways. So plans were made at the highest levels. I submit right up to the office of 44. And even then, despite the vast forces aligned against Donald Trump, all the leftists, all the Democrats, corruption within their own party to ensure that Bernie Sanders never saw the light of day and Hillary didn't uh, Hillary Clinton did because after all it was her turn, okay? Even then, they were they were unable to stop the OMB, folks. Orange man bad. Now, by now, Ray J is likely put the phone on hold or he's at the gas station filling up his car or he's cleaning his fish tank. I get it. But here comes the point. And you may think, OK, BZ, now why the massive introduction to Ray J? He's just a guy. He's just one guy. Yeah, just one guy. But more importantly, one of many who are emerging with important voices. They need to be heard. American blacks. And yes, I said they, because leftists and Democrats have made they a they. Not me. The they is an imperative to leftists until they want to pigeonhole somebody, uh, someone as a racist for the word they. They are not a monolith. They are not an assumption. They have minds of their own. And these days, damn them for daring to do so. Folks, ask yourself a fundamental damn question. Why the huge, massive, unprecedented push for illegals to flood this country? Why no borders? Why no disincentives? Why all the free cheese to illegals? Why sanctuary cities and states? One simple answer. Because Ray J and people like Ray J, once committed, once guaranteed, and a once perpetually loyal voting block of American blacks, you're all traitors now. You're starting to turn your backs on leftists and Democrats, and damn you, you're starting to ask questions of your own and beginning to eschew the, the leftist, Democrat, socialist pablum they've spewed, and they're doubling down on spewing today. You are no longer reliable. Get that. You can no longer just sit at the, the back of the leftist Democrat socialist bus. Oh, no, no, no. They want you off the damn bus now entirely. So in a nutshell, Ray J, the, the Democrats and, and leftists are scared of you. 
You frighten them. And what do animals do when they're cornered and they're frightened? Oh, trust me, they'll do anything to survive. Not done yet. Give me about three more minutes before I bring on Ray J. Because I, I want you to hear what he does. So when I say that, you want to hear what Ray J does? Here's what Ray J does. This is why I dig the dude. Speaking on the subject of abortion in America, I have some data here which should really make you think. As of the 2010 census, there were 62,400,000 women in the United States, of which 36,400,000 were white, or 58% of the female population, and 26,200,000 were minority females, which consist of blacks, Hispanics, Asians, and other minority races. And they only accounted for 42% of the female population. Why then did only 37% of white females commit abortions and 63% of minority females committed abortions? Why in 2010 did 42% of the women in the United States commit 63% of the abortions? I will tell you why. Because of the evil and satanic policies of the Democrat Party. They have ruined minority communities. They have minorities hooked on welfare. And most of the minority communities have fatherless households. Did you know that in 2019, 70% of black households are fatherless? And you wonder why our communities are ruined. It's because there is no fathers in the household to help raise these kids. We have lost track of God and we have lost track of family. Think about that. You know, since the ruling in 1973, Roe versus Wade, we in the United States, our sacred, sacred country has committed 61,326,000 abortions. We have murdered 61,326,000 babies. This is satanic. It's ungodly. What in the hell has happened to our nation to where we find this as being acceptable? It is ungodly. And you know, from 2004 until 2007, 1,106 women gave the reasons why they had abortions. Let me give you some of the examples. They said the baby would interfere with my life. The baby would interfere with my education. The baby would interfere with my career. I can't afford a baby right now. I'm not ready for a child. I can't leave my job to take care of my baby. You know, women claim they want to be powerful, they want to be respected, then learn how to control your body. You say your choice, your body, you need to think about that when you're in the bedroom. Get your mind right. Get your mind right. That's Ray J. That's why I asked him to be on the show tonight. And yeah, okay, granted, that's the longest introduction I have ever made in the history of my show. But I, I believe it needed to be said, not just for Ray J, but for every good patriotic American like Ray J. So with luck, Ray J, you haven't fallen asleep in Florida. So, folks, I'd like to introduce Ray J to the Berserk Bobcat Saloon. It's a pleasure and honor to have you here tonight, sir. Well, how are you tonight, Zell? I am doing great. Um, Ray J, let me just cut to the chase, uh, if I can. I think you have not just an important voice on social media, but a voice that is illustrative of everything I just mentioned, which is why I wanted to talk to you on the show and introduce you to not just the the SHR Media Network folks, uh, the listeners and viewers, but to the Big Sarge viewers, too, where I'm simulcast. First, though, 
Could you tell everybody, please, where you can be found on social media and also where you can be seen on video? Yes. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I got. Let me get off this. Um, yes. I can be found on Twitter at um, Ray Mysterio 305. Okay. Or just Ray J. I can be found on Facebook. Uh, under Ray Johnson, and I can be found on YouTube uh, under Ray J, but there's another rapper named Ray J. I noticed, uh, and, yep. And you got to kind of look for me. Yep. You're not him, and he's not you. Yes, he has a, a, a much larger much larger following than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, your Twitter page says that you are a Trump NRA conservative, you're a diehard supporter of American conservatism and the Jewish, that you are an extreme right-wing Republican and patriot and proudly on the, on the Trump train. But before I specifically go there, and because I wasn't able to find out a whole bunch about you, I want to discover tonight, if I can, what makes Ray J tick. So let's start with this. Where were you born? Can you give us a, a flavor of your upbringing, your background, your education, just kind of a sense of who Ray J is? Okay, uh, I was born in Orlando in 1971. Um, I grew up here in Orlando until I was about seven years old, okay. and I moved to Tampa, Florida. Uh, here in Orlando, where, where I was raised up at, I was a child out of the projects. I was a, I was a product of the welfare system. Um Unfortunately, everybody in my family, um, my great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mother, my aunt, we all came up into it in the welfare system from the, you know, the late 50s and early 60s, mm -hmm. Date, dates all, all the way back into the beginning. Uh, we moved to Tampa in 1977. I grew up in Tampa, went to high school in Tampa, graduated. Um, I went to the military in, uh, in 1990. Okay. Uh, I'm a veteran of uh, Desert Shield, Desert Storm 1990. So I was in Saudi Arabia okay. in 1990. I was there for about eight months. God bless you for that. Um, yeah, thank you. I was about uh, about uh, 10 miles away from the Iraqi border, just south of Baghdad. You know, even though Baghdad was about 600 miles north of me. So I was. it wasn't like I was close uh, to Baghdad. Um, I never went into Iraq. I stayed in Saudi Arabia. Um then uh, I was in for four four years and two months, and I came out, and um, I went to some small little odds and ends jobs in 1993, and then I hitched up with the company I'm with currently today in 1994. Uh, even though I've been and gone with this company, I've been with this company and left four times, but I've come back, and I'm now a VP in this refrigeration uh, company. We do... Uh, supermarket refrigeration okay and um and that's what i do so what makes me tick i'm a very patriotic person um kind of pretty much what makes me tick is i'm a america first person it's about the country okay you know you, if you have no country you have nothing so you have to protect the country first so what i'm about i'm a, a extreme nationalist that's why president trump appealed me to me so much this is the first presidential election I ever voted in. Really? In my life. Wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. And in, uh, in uh, 2016, I was 46 years old, and this is the first election that I voted in. I, I almost voted for Ross Perot, 
in his first run. Mm-hmm. But when he dropped out, I lost all faith in him. So that's why I'm so uh, 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 supportive of President Donald J. Trump, because he cares about this country. And it's unfortunate that we've had so many different administrations. And President Trump, while he's very, very awkward in some ways compared yeah. to other uh, presidents, he's he's very unique. He actually exposed to the American people so much corruption, so much evil, so many. He exposed so many administrations before him that sold, literally sold America out. He, they sold us out to China. They sold us out to Canada. They sold us out to our own allies, the EU. They sold us out to a military alliance. You know, NATO is, I understand the purpose of NATO. NATO was created as a military alliance against the former Soviet Union, which was a very, very, very imminent threat back in the 1950s and 60s. Yep. But if you look at NATO today and NATO probably back into the 80s, we have been paying most of the operating costs for NATO. As of when President Trump went over to, to uh, Europe last year and uh, publicly chewed out the NATO uh, um, members, yes, there, there were six, only six out of the 29 NATO members that were paying their 2% of their GDP towards their military. And I found that, I personally find that disgraceful. Because the NATO alliance is meant to protect Europe, not us. Why, as of last year, why were we paying 67% of NATO's operating costs? One country. That's an easy answer. The easy answer is because up until now, every president let them do it. That is correct. You know, I listen a lot to President Trump. President Trump is, again, very unique, and he uh, he's very off the cuff. But President Trump said quite a bit in visiting Japan. I'm talking about our allies, Canada, right. China, many countries in Europe, uh, the, the EU as a whole, and NATO as a whole. He said repeatedly uh, since last year that these countries, what he said, why you're doing this, we're not going to continue continue to do this. And many of these countries said, Nobody ever told us that before. Nobody's ever said that to us before. And that lets you know what our former administrations, uh, um, how they just they they had their hand in the cookie jar in other countries. That's why so many politicians are against President Trump with China, because many of these politicians have their hands in so many crooked deals in China, and they're getting so many kickbacks from China and Mexico. That's why half of this government is against him. He's pretty much he's pretty much dropped the bomb. The, or he's dropped the raid bomb, and all the roaches are scattering. That's absolutely true. That's completely true. Before I forget, Ray J, uh, the other thing I want to tell you is I want to say a very hearty thank you for staying up so late to talk to me tonight since you're on the East Coast. For whatever reason, it seems like most everybody that I talk to is on the East Coast. So when it's uh, 8.28 right here, it's 11.28 where you are. we got about two more minutes before the bottom of the hour break. When When we come back, I want to continue further with Ray J on a whole bunch of topics. But first, I I want to ask you, I want to say, I I understand all the things that you embrace on your Twitter page, 
but would I be wrong to think that you haven't always been somebody who leans to the right? Um, I've always been conservative, and it's always been kind of a rift in my family. Okay. Um, now, I've, since I was a kid, studied history. I had a whole bunch of uh, funk and wagnell encyclopedias that I constantly just, in the, in the early 80s, I just read and read and read. And I had a pretty big, I wish I would have kept that collection, but I've always been a little awkward as far as um, not having the same outlook and the same viewpoints as many in my family. And I've been kind of like a square where to where my brothers, I have three brothers, we're just not the same. And, and okay, that's fine. But as I got older, it, the rift actually got bigger with our philosophies about life. And uh, and that's what kind of drove me. Of course, I was in ROTC in high school, and then I went into the military because that kind of fit me. I love the military. I got out of the military early. Um, after after Saudi Arabia, you know, I kind of seen things just a little bit differently. I I kind of seen uh, I still support the military. If the military asked me today if I can squeeze my girth into a uniform <laughs> and, <laughs> and that'll be a lot of squeezing let me tell you here here too i would go i would go up to the middle east if they said we need you you you've been to saudi arabia you know i would go i would go i wouldn't even batter eye but you know when uh, after i left saudi arabia and come back to you came back to the united states i was stationed at fort bragg you no know, that was my main permanent duty station um I, I just seen things a little bit different. I got out, but I did, uh, of course, got out with an honorable discharge. I served for four years and two months. And, you know, I appreciate everything that happened in the military. I wouldn't do it any differently. Folks, we're talking to Ray J, uh, a, a very important voice on Twitter and also a very important voice on YouTube. Uh, when we come back, I want to ask him a little bit more about being a conservative. Maybe was there some kind of a, a central incident or maybe a single incident where some kind of an epiphany occurred to him? So, folks, you're listening to The Bloviating Zeppelin right here on the Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show where I'm broadcasting live and direct behind enemy lines in occupied California. We will be right back after this to talk to Ray J. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Hey, this is Michael Wright. And I'm Shannon Wright. Join us for The Right Way with Shannon and Mike, Monday through Thursday from 7 to 9 a.m. right here on SHR Media. Why are they joining us? For fun things like sports, politics. Oh, maybe some news and entertainment? And all kinds of other things. Money and recipes and events, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so join us Monday through Thursday, 7 to 9 a.m. here on shrmedia.com. From a public locker inside a dilapidated Long Island rail station comes a show designed to piss off liberals using truth, facts, and ridicule. The Lid Radio Show, featuring the conservative voice from the People's Republic of New York. The Lid himself, Jeff Dunnett. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the SHR Media Network. Go to shrmedia.com. At Lid Radio, we fight for the truth, justice, and a good kosher T-bone. If you don't listen, 
Hillary Clinton might sneak into your bedroom in her housecoat late at night and blame you for her election loss. It's the Lid Radio Show with Jeff Dunnitz. Hey girls, Carry Girl Gear is here. More and more women every day are concealed carrying, participating in competitive shooting, and getting firearms training. It's not a boys club anymore, and we don't have to shop in their stores anymore either. Finally, a cool and unique clothing line just for women. Dope tees and hats for the patriotic concealed carry and 2A girl. So what are you waiting for? Go check out carrygirlgear.com today. It's your business diva here, Melanie Collette. I am inviting you to a front row seat as I discuss some of the most intriguing details of wealth and finance with today's movers and shakers in the world of business. Listen in and discover financial truths on a global, domestic, and household scale. Uncover topics that will impact your wallet today and in the future. Money Talk with Melanie airs Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. East, 2 p.m. West, right here on SHR Media and High Plains Pundit Talk Radio. You can't afford to miss it. The new show on the SHR Media Network, Sackheads Against Tyranny. On shrmedia.com, go there quick like a bunny, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, every Wednesday, live and direct on the SHR Media Network, shrmedia.com. Be there. For 50 years, I've seen the American people blinded by corrupt politicians, a lapdog media, and deceptive Islam. The one thing the elites fear is one man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me through Spreaker, iTunes, and SoundCloud, through SHR Media and the Western Free Radio Network for half a century of experienced perspective on political and social issues weekly on The Unpleasant Blind Guy. And catch me on Jeff Mitchell's EDL Radio on blogtalkradio.com. There's no surrender ever. Because truth is not always pleasant. Broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California, a mere two miles from the state capital, the bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show can be heard every Tuesday and Thursday night at 8 p.m. Pacific and 11 p.m. Eastern, only on the SHR Media Network. Go to shrmedia.com to listen. You can also watch on the SHR Media Facebook page and the SHR Media YouTube channel. No goldfish were abused in the making of this ad. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show. You can follow me on Twitter at BZEP, at BZEP. Like me and you can follow me on my Facebook page, Bloviating Zeppelin. Friend, follow and like us at SHR Media, the Facebook page. And don't forget to uh, subscribe to the SHR Media YouTube channel. Click on notifications right there. Give our videos a thumbs up. Great hosts, great videos, great shows. Tonight, I have the distinct honor and pleasure of speaking to Ray J, who happens to be, in my opinion, a very important voice in the wilderness on the uh, 
uh, on social media. You can find him on YouTube. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him on Twitter itself. Reggie, before we went on the break, I wanted to ask you if there might have been some kind of a singular incident where one day you might have been leaning to it. And, but there, maybe was there something that occurred where you you had an epiphany and something went bing, and it's like okay, I really am a conservative, and there's there are no two ways about it. Well, uh, that what made me appeal to Donald Trump uh, when I first seen him in late 2015, early 2016 is the message he had about see, again I'm a nationalist and. Kind of when he started first saying America first, and he started pointing out all the trade imbalances, you know, the uh, how we were being taken advantage of with NATO, and he just brought up all the corruption, and just his America first message. I mean, it, it literally it sounds kind of uh, dorky, but it kind of made me feel with Donald Trump. I felt safe. I felt felt that he was for this nation, and. I just, like I said, it kind of reminded me of Ross Perot, to be honest with you. That kind of, when I heard it, I just knew that Donald Trump was the person I was going to vote for. And I said, right when I started following Donald Trump, I'm voting for this guy. I I don't care what anybody says, I'm voting for him. They were making fun of him. You know that. Yes. They were poking fun of him. They were saying there's no way he's going to win. You've seen, uh, uh, what is her name, A.M. Joy? Uh, Oh, Joy Behar, right. Yeah, she has had the weirdest look on her face, you know, like, how could you even say that? I've seen a many movie stars just just make fun of the guy and just treat him like he was literally a piece of garbage. And look where he is and look where, where they are right now. You know, you said something earlier before the break that I thought was very important, and it resonated with me a whole bunch because I did something similar in high school. You already had what I would consider to be a thirst for knowledge and education. And in my opinion, that sets you apart immediately from the rest of the pack, so to speak. I didn't get an education in high school like I wanted, so I went into the library, and on my own time, I took out tons of books to educate myself about history. You said that you're a student of history. I was, too. I didn't get that thirst slaked. In class, I had to go out actively and find that stuff on my own. And that is what I think sets you apart as well, is you remind me of me in that instance in terms of I wasn't getting what I wanted. So I'm not going to let somebody else tell me or show me or or hold information from me. I'm going to go out there and actively search out that stuff for myself so that as far as i'm concerned that's impressive that makes me think of me but i i also submit ray j that that tell that tells me all i want to know all i need to know about you and what you've built upon on that well i appreciate that Zepa. i really appreciate being on your show tonight i'm very very honored uh i've uh, just over my second show and I'm not a professional at it, but, uh, you know, I, I really believe that uh, m- there are many more conservatives out there like me, black conservatives. You know, I, I hate to, to bring up the racial identity, yeah. but in race, eating, I'm not a race baiter. I'm actually the opposite. You know, I have a lot of black people that attack me constantly, just attack me, you know, calling me an Uncle Tom and 
other uh, racial uh, innuendos. And I don't care. I don't care because, you know, going back to President Trump, you know, they, they call the men a racist. There is no evidence of President Donald J. Trump being a racist. None. In fact, his policy that he's enacted in the last two years has favored minorities, the very people that they're claiming that he's attacking. So uh, I, I just I, I'm a person that I fight for the truth. That's why I come on Twitter and I also I'm on Instagram also, but I'm not that big uh, Instagram. I'm not an Instagram guy. Not really. Uh, but, you know, I'm on I'm on all four platforms, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. And I really fight for the truth. And a lot of people think I attack the black community. I am what Russians would call the Milot, the hammer. And that's what I am. I'm a hammer. And you need people like me, and you need people, you know, you need passive people. You need the, the doves, and you need the, the, the war hawks. I'm a war hawk. I'm not saying it in that sense of the word, but I'm a hammer person. I have to push the issue. Because the black community, Zep, needs, in 2019, the black community needs a hammer to wake it up. Uh, we, I, oh, my God, yes. We have been fooled for much too long. You know, I don't know if you heard this before, but my the older women in my family told me this, that in the late 50s, the government sent government workers around especially around black communities, knocking on women's doors, asking them were they single, was there a man in the house? And if the women said, no, I don't have a man in the house, and they said, well, we're going to have a new program, which was the precursor of welfare, they said, we're going to have a new program where if you don't have a man, you know, you don't have, you're not married, and you don't have a man in the house, the government will give you subsidy. The government will help you and assist you. And that was the beginning of, beginning of welfare. And that that was also the beginning of the end, and I think you would agree with me, of the once very solid, very nuclear black family that was every bit as strong as any other family in the in the Americas, except they were singled out. They were singled out to be dependent on big government, just as you say. Now, you you made another point earlier in the first half hour. And obviously, you say you're a hammer, you make no bones about your support of Republicans, Trump, conservatism, your videos strike home and they speak the truth. You point proper fingers at those people who are getting in the way of actually solving problems in America. But I'd also wager, just like you indicated in Black America, that you are catching a hailstorm of crap and that that has affected well, let me just ask you, have you actually lost friends and acquaintances and, and, and serious family members over your stances? Yes, it's caused a rift in my family. So uh, pretty much my immediate family uh, that I've always been closest to for many years is my aunt. You know, my mom passed away in 2010 mm-hmm. of leukemia. I'm sorry so to hear that. It's been my, my aunt, she's the oldest, kind of the oldest person left in my immediate family. And then my younger brother and his three kids and his wife. Now, my youngest brother, of course, unfortunately, uh, just like just like uh, indicative of what you see across the nation, he's in prison for doing something stupid. Smart kid. He's smart and stupid all in one. So um, 
basically it's caused a serious rift between me and my brother's family, his wife and him, because they have the opposite mentality. They think that blacks are old welfare. They think that the as I you know, we've had about three different years of knockout drag outs either over Thanksgiving uh dinner yeah. or Christmas dinner. To where his sister, my his my sister in law, his his wife especially, she is especially. Uh, I would actually say she had a lot of disdain for the way that, the way that I am, and she can't understand. But between between uh, us and the world, I guess who, who's ever listening, they're not educated enough to know what's really going on. They don't know history. That and that's indicative of a lot of black people. They don't understand history. They don't understand politics. They don't understand geopolitics. They don't understand world history. In fact, many of uh, the people that I know that's black don't even understand United States history. But they're but they're they have these opinions and they're based on propaganda. They're based on the propaganda because, as you know, the mainstream media, like I said, President Donald J. Trump exposed so much stuff, wow. so much. Hidden, sinister stuff that was in the background that nobody nobody knew about. Nobody understood that the mainstream media was literally the enemy of the people, and these people literally work for the Democrat Party, and that is the destruction of the free press. When you have one party controlling the media, that means the media has no type of. Um, no type of objectiveness. They're just narrative pushers, and that's what they are. So it has caused a serious rift between me and my younger brother, the mm-hmm. one, the, the brother right under me. Me and my older brother rarely talk, but my aunt, she loves me to death. Now, my aunt, she beloves me. She, you know, I'm beloved to her, but when it comes to politics, she don't like it. Remember, my aunt came from a different era. Yes. She came from the era, she came from the era, era of when she was a child, Food stamps and welfare helped us helped our family at that time. Personally, I think that welfare should have had an expiration date. It should have. They started. They uh, President Lyndon B. Johnson, which I don't know how you feel about it, but President Lyndon B. Johnson, in a way, was a good man, in a way, was an evil man because President Johnson did help the black community with the legislation that he supported, but he'd done it for sinister and arterial motives. He did it for some of the most cynical reasons extant. And people have disputed this, but I've found people in his uh, surrounding area, one of them happened to be uh, a black butler who overheard him say this, and people that think that he didn't, uh, you need to go back and become more uh, more attuned to be students of history. Uh, you mentioned cynicism. LBJ's Great Society was one of the most cynical ever. I lived through that time. I can remember when he said, and this quote is accurate, I'll have those niggers voting Democrat for the next 100 years. If that isn't the most racist and cynical thing that you can possibly think of, I don't know what is. Ray J, I got to ask you this: Where do you think we'd be today, for example, under a Hillary Clinton presidency? 
what I can imagine with a Hillary Clinton presidency is, uh, okay, you have Hillary Clinton as president. Um, she would have pretty much had no border, no immigration system to stop the immigration because yes. what they want, like this is what's happening in the United States right now demographically. The Caucasian population is, has been under attack and is going to remain under attack. The population, it, the Caucasian population is decreasing solely because of they're not multiplying quick enough. The reproductive uh, uh, characteristics of the Caucasians all over the world is, is, has gone down as far as reproduction. That, uh, that plays Absolutely the correct. in the liberals' hands. They want this country populated with illegal aliens who have no education and they're poor as hell. They bring them here. They're going to put them on welfare. They're going to let them illegally vote in our elections. And they're trying to literally, in my opinion, replace the Caucasian population with with an influx of illegal immigrants that's desperate for a good life. Now, I don't blame, as President Trump says, I, I feel the same about him. I don't blame those people. I blame our government for allowing it to happen. So Hillary Clinton will let this country be overran with illegal aliens. They were also, they're also partnered up, which is a death blow. They're partnering up with is, is Islam. Islam oh. is a direct threat to the United States Constitution. Those people will never, ever abide by the United States Constitution. And with that, there should not ever be a person who believes in Islam allowed to serve in our government because they will not abide by the how, how can you have somebody in your government that would not abide by your constitution that kept this country together from 1789 until 2019 so just the presence in my opinion of Elon omar and rashida Tlaib and people like that keith ellison but see keith ellison is a little bit different but you you allow people in your government in your house of representatives that comes from another country that's hostile towards your country, and now you're seeing the results of it. Look at the shame and disgrace Ilhan Omar has been since she has been in our Congress. Just a disgrace and a blight on our heritage. So for what I see, Hillary Clinton would have allowed our country to be overran with illegal aliens. She allowed our country to be overran with people, Muslims coming from Somalia and Syria, and you see what happened in Minnesota. You see what happened in Dearborn, Michigan. Those places now, you cannot allow an influx of people at such a rate and so quickly that they cannot assimilate to your country's heritage and your country's beliefs. Rachel, can that's I, what's happening. Go ahead. Can, can I interrupt you just for a second? Because you sure. nailed on something. When you started to mention Islam, you're not in the chat room right now. This chat room over at shrmedia.com, this chat room just blew up when you started to mention that. Um, I retired from 41 years in law enforcement in 2016. A lot of the guys that I supervised were direct uh, either retirees, uh, honorable discharges, had done their duty in the Middle East, and these were squared away, completely squared away uh, troops. By my question to you at this point is by being in the Middle East and having experienced personally, and I'm sure you saw a lot of stuff, 
did that tend to influence your current position on Islam today? Were, were there things that you saw or experienced that informed your decision and your thoughts on Islam today? Yes, I just seen there. Okay, I seen I was in Saudi Arabia. I talked to a lot of Saudi Arabians and, and other people from other countries. I've spoken with some Syrians, with some Jordanians. Uh, I seen their intolerance towards others. I see that right away. Their intolerance, you know, the, uh, when we were in their country. So I never took that to offense. Like you know, women couldn't uh, drive. They, they, they didn't want our women driving. Right. They want, literally wanted our female soldiers to cover their faces with the, I think, the burkas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and okay, I can understand that. You know what? I if, if I'm in Saudi Arabia and they have laws that we think are backwards, that is it's not fair to criticize them because you're in their country. Yeah. I respect that, but they are very intolerant to other religions, and and you know that's what. People that's in those countries, and you know this as well as I do, Zep, everything leads off with religion. Their religion is what controls their life. It is Islam. Whether you're in Iraq, you're in Jordan, you're in Syria, you're in Egypt, you're in Libya, so, uh, you're, if you're in Oman, the United, United Arab Emirates, Qatar, the, everything starts off with Islam. And I've seen that in Saudi Arabia, that they were so intolerant. They just just totally intolerant of any other religion, and pretty much that's what ruled their life. Everything rotated around that, and that right there let me back in the nineties. I knew there's no way I would want to live here in in, in the Middle East. So that's what I see, and and, and look at what's happening with Rashida Tlaib and Elon Omar, how they're attacking Jews, they're attacking uh, uh, Israel, and and. Not only that, Zep, they are anti-American. They're in our government, and they're against our government. They criticize our government, and they blame our government for everything. You know, you make an excellent point, and I I want to point this out, too. I've said for a while... And I've been excoriated on many levels because of it. I say people who look up uh, on Islam as nothing but another religion are duped and they're ignorant. Islam is much... I submit this. Islam isn't necessarily a religion. It's a way of life. It's a duty. It's a political entity. It's a social, cultural, economic, military ideology that crosses all aspects of Muslim life. It it influences and informs every decision made by a devout Muslim to the point where I concluded that I really don't think that there is such a thing as a moderate Muslim, per se. In my opinion, there's only a Muslim who isn't doing it right. That's correct. That's correct. Yes, they, they, they want to control the way you talk, what you wear, what you can eat. You know, they have their things where, oh, you can't eat that. So basically, you go to certain parts of this country, like uh, up there near Minneapolis, uh, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of people walking in the, in the mall of Somalia, I call it now, but it's the mall of America. The mall of America. Correct. It's, it's totally Somali. Somalis have totally taken the place over. You know, uh, I don't know how many years it was ago, maybe three years, four or five years. They had a huge Christmas tree in the mall of America. Those Muslims tore down that 
huge Christmas tree. They tore it down to the ground. And that right there lets you know how, how intolerant those people are. And I, everybody, every time everybody criticizes me, right, and calls me a racist and calls me an Islamophobe, I say, let me ask you something. You're criticizing me because I'm criticizing Elon Omar and Rashida Tlaib. Let me ask you something. You tell me, aside from Israel, which country in the Middle East or in North Africa that's Arab or Muslim that has a Caucasian male in their parliament, parliament or in their government? Just name me one country that has a Caucasian male of European descent or American descent in their parliament, in their government. You can't name me one nation because he would never he would never survive because they'll probably behead him you know <clears throat> i i realize that we've gone kind of full spectrum tonight we've been all over the map so i i need to ask you up front uh because we only have about four more minutes before the 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 end of the first hour i want to ask you up front would you consider coming back on the show oh sure sure Sure. If you would have me, I would love to. Okay. And the reason I say that is because I really believe that you have an important voice. It's a voice that needs to be heard. People need to recognize that there is such a thing as an honest-to-God black conservative. You know, let's take off our our blinders and realize what's happening really in, in the midst of the United States of America these days. And we're kind of scattershot this first hour, but... When you come back, and I would like you to have to come back, what I'd like to do is I'd like to begin to focus on more issues. The first appearance tonight was to just kind of get a, a sense of who Ray J really is. And I think we've got well, I think we've gotten a really good sense of of who you are and so that with your history, your education, your experience, when you say that you're a patriotic American, okay, I get that. Now, I think the SHR network people get that now. The Big Sarge Media Network people get that now. And I think that was an important point to make. So uh, you have hit upon so many things that I just wanted to take the idea that you started and, and just take off and running with it. And, and that's primarily why I want to have you back. Is because okay, I'd like well, to, I'd like to focus on a whole bunch of issues uh, that mm-hmm. you've ju- that, that we've just begun to touch on. Um, I had on my computer. I have thirty tabs on my computer of topics that I wanted to discuss with you tonight. For example, you know, the right. have you weigh in on the various state of affairs in politics. Um, and it's just, I know I'm not going to be able to get to them tonight and it frustrates me. I don't know if it frustrates you, but that's primarily what I, why I want to ask to see if you will come back because you have a great voice, you have a great history. Um, you resonate with me. The things that you've done when you were growing up are things that I've done. You have a thirst for history you have a thirst for knowledge. You've refused to be pigeonholed by people. And you are absolutely unapologetic 
for any of that stuff, or am I way off base? No, you're not way off base. And before I go, because I know I only have about a minute left, I'm that that that's why I take my criticism because I'm unapologetic. I'm not apologizing for doing what's right. Yes. For instance, one one topic: uh, Civil War Confederate statues. Why are we tearing down those statues? Why are they covering up those statues? Why do we have black people running around painting those statues and trying to de- deface these Civil War monuments? Those statues aren't hurting anybody. You know, I, I said the one I think was up in Chicago. They took a whole bunch of statues down. They had and I, and I th- no, I think it was Dallas. I believe Dallas last year they took statues down. How is that helping the poor community? By spending millions of dollars, they have to move those statues to somewhere else. It costs like a million dollars. How is that helping the black community? How, first of all, most of the black people that were criticizing those statues don't even know who those people were, don't even know the history about them. All they know is what they've been told by Democrats and the mainstream media. That's the kind of person I am. I am not looking here to race base. I am looking for the truth, and I'm going to speak the truth, and I don't care what anybody says. And if they silence me, if Twitter, you know, Twitter has throttled my account, I've been throttled. But I just keep hammering on, hammering on. Eventually, I'm going to hit my head on the wall. Either the bricks are going to go uh, give way or my head's going to bust open. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Ray J, we got to go. The hour's up. So please tell folks where you can be found on social media, your videos, and any other points on the Internet that you want folks to know about. Okay, I can be found on Twitter at uh, Ray J, Ray Mysterio 305. I can be found on Facebook as Ray Johnson. I can be found on YouTube, Ray J, R-A-Y-J, no capitals, no space. And I can be found found on Instagram, uh, Ray J559. Okay, sir, I thank you ever so kindly for staying up so late. Thanks for taking the time to speak to me for the entire hour. It has been an absolute pleasure and uh, thank you ever so kindly for being here tonight, sir. I do appreciate the invite, and I will be happy to come back again, Zell. Thank you very much. Um, and, and I'm not kidding. You will be will be corresponding, and I would like to have you back in, in the near future. It's not just a, sort of an empty promise kind of thing. I really wanted to get into some in-depth issues with you tonight. We just don't have the time. You'll be back. Zell, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ray J. Ray Johnson. Great dude. Going to have him back. Another dude is coming on after the break. If he gets back, he's sort of promised to be here. Sackhead Sean. Can we trust him? I don't know. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Hey, this is Michael Wright. And I'm Shannon Wright. Join us for The Right Way with Shannon and Mike, Monday through Thursday from 7 to 9 a.m. right here on SHR Media. Why are they joining us? For fun things like sports, politics. Oh, maybe some news and entertainment? And all kinds of other things. Money and recipes and events, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so join us Monday through Thursday, 7 to 9 a.m. here on SHRmedia.com. From a public locker inside a dilapidated Long Island rail station comes a show designed to piss off liberals using truth, facts, and ridicule. 
The Lid Radio Show, featuring the conservative voice from the People's Republic of New York, the Lid himself, Jeff Dunnitz. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the SHR Media Network. Go to shrmedia.com. At Lid Radio, we fight for the truth, justice, and a good kosher T-bone. If you don't listen, Hillary Clinton might sneak into your bedroom in her house coat late at night and blame you for her election loss. It's the Lid Radio Show with Jeff Dunnitz. Hey girls, Carry Girl Gear is here. More and more women every day are concealed carrying, participating in competitive shooting, and getting firearms training. It's not a boys club anymore, and we don't have to shop in their stores anymore either. Finally, a cool and unique clothing line just for women. Dope tees and hats for the patriotic concealed carry and 2A girl. So what are you waiting for? Go check out carrygirlgear.com today. It's your business diva here, Melanie Collette. I am inviting you to a front row seat as I discuss some of the most intriguing details of wealth and finance with today's movers and shakers in the world of business. Listen in and discover financial truths on a global, domestic, and household scale. Uncover topics that will impact your wallet today and in the future. Money Talk with Melanie airs Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. East, 2 p.m. West, right here on SHR Media and High Plains Pundit Talk Radio. You can't afford to miss it. The new show on the SHR Media Network, Sackheads Against Tyranny. On shrmedia.com, go there quick like a bunny, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, every Wednesday, live and direct on the SHR Media Network, shrmedia.com. Be there. For 50 years, I've seen the American people blinded by corrupt politicians, a lapdog media, and deceptive Islam. The one thing the elites fear is one man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me through Spreaker, iTunes, and SoundCloud, through SHR Media and the Western Free Radio Network for half a century of experienced perspective on political and social issues, weekly on The Unpleasant Blind Guy. And catch me on Jeff Mitchell's EDL Radio on blogtalkradio.com. There's no surrender ever. Because truth is not always pleasant. Broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California, a mere two miles from the state capital, the bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show can be heard every Tuesday and Thursday night at 8 p.m. Pacific and 11 p.m. Eastern, only on the SHR Media Network. Go to shrmedia.com to listen. You can also watch on the SHR Media Facebook page and the SHR Media YouTube channel. No goldfish were abused in the making of this ad. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's now the second hour of the Bloviating Zeppelin's Preserved Bobcat Saloon radio show, where I am broadcasting unhindered, unfettered, behind enemy lines in occupied California, 
from the sumptuous and palatial SHR Media Studios, where late at night, when I open that door to leave and I go outside, I can hear the death throes of common sense as it dies in the Capitol building, the Bill Mill. We're two miles east of the Bill Mill in Chatramento, Fornicalia, and at the end of the shift, as I walk out that door, I will also be able to smell the noxious, evil vapors of sulfur and brimstone from the Capitol building at 10th and L downtown. Got a lot of stuff to go over tonight. Nothing has happened this week. Hell, nothing ever happens any week around here. What I haven't done is I haven't read a Kurt Schlichter article in, in a while, so I'm going to get to that because... Uh, I just really enjoy the stuff that he writes. This is from townhall.com. This is where you can find Kurt Schlichter. And his article is entitled Trump Counterattacks Using Democrats' Hypocrisy. George Orwell's socialist tyrants worked hard to impose what he called doublethink. But today's left can't even manage to singlethink. Our bloated, soft, and lazy elite no longer bothers to try to fool us with consistent, coherent lies. It's too busy reacting to the actions of one solitary hero who knows how to play these blue city geeks like Keith Richards knows how to play a guitar, only with less Jack Daniels. Now that I now that I have Nancy Pelosi's attention. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, I'm not. That hero is President Donald Trump, who I hope is president forever, because watching him use his narrative jujitsu on his feckless opponents is so much damn fun that I dread the day when he's no longer in the ring, body slamming our enemies for our amusement. Hypocrisy? Thy name is Democrat. Okay, you stole that one from me, though, Kurt. Who I hope is president forever. And Trump has this amazing way of making them demonstrate it to the world that no one else has ever been able to pull off. Look at what what we've just seen in the last week. With his declassification move, Trump has maneuvered them into publicly asserting that providing you more information, I love this, providing you more information about what occurred is now a cover-up of what occurred for some reason. Don't think about it, just go with it. They're rolling. We have... The Lib Poobahs and their mainstream media, Reinfelds, uh, in full spaz effect because Trump proposes to declassify info attesting to the antics of the deep state moles who tried to spur the failed soft coup in part by leaking classified info. Now, wait, so now exposing classified info is bad? Didn't Hollywood just make an eponymous movie about the brave firefighters at the WAPO defying the government to bring the people the truth by publishing the classified Pentagon Papers? Well, maybe. I don't know, because I don't watch pinko self-slobberfest movies. I do know that the libs were all giddy about the light-bringer dog-eater you know, gave underserved uh, clemency to Bradley Manning for leaking classified material to Julian Assange, who the media now hates for publishing confidential material that hurt Felonia Milhouse von Pantsuit. Imagine that, how that works. Gosh, trying to keep their contortions on the classified material issue straight would be pretty tough if they try to keep them straight. They don't even try anymore. 
They just pull rhetorical 180 after rhetorical 180, not expecting that we'll notice the narrative whiplash. At least Big Brother put some effort into it. Our loser ruling class dorks just spew out whatever words they need to buttress the narrative at any given moment. Fully expecting us normals to forget, they were shrieking just the opposite into our face ten minutes ago. This is a function of having a tongue bath media at their beck and call, ready to do their partisan bidding, with neither question nor shame. They got lazy, knowing no officially licensed and approved journalist was ever going to point out that what they were saying is all just a towering mound of human waste of the sort one might encounter strolling through the streets of Scat Francisco. And Trump is a master of exploiting our elite's combination of moral bankruptcy and intellectual sloth. Do you think he did not know exactly what he was doing when he tossed that treason grenade into the Democrat circle of investigatory uh, onanism? Look up that word. You'll get it. He anticipated the freak out, and sure enough, the freaks duly complied by outing themselves. Trump said that the people trying to undo an election committed treason. This is the worst thing Trump has done since he committed emoluments Russia collusion treason. Okay, well, if you go on the Google machine and punch in Trump committed treason, you get 10 million hits. Some of us recall that since uh, about July 2016, among the idiots on the left, Trump committed treason was a, a thing, a very big thing, complete with the high grand marshal of the, the Supreme Court marching the Donald out of the White House in cuffs for his trial for aggravated treasoning. We must have missed the memo that made treason not a thing again. I guess us normals are just not on the distro list. We need a billboard that gives the status of Democrat memes to help us keep updated on the liberal lie of the day. Promiscuous accusations of treason are bad, effective at 0700 hours today, and will continue to be bad until further notice. Check here tomorrow for updates. Trump retweeted a funny video of Nancy Pelosi channeling. <laughs> okay, I got to read this sentence again. Trump tweeted a funny video of Nancy Pelosi channeling Foster Brooks like a boss. And now funny videos mocking political opponents are suddenly bad. Actually, the president of the United States was doing the slurrer of the house a righteous solid by accusing her of being drunker than screw-top Chardonnay aficionado Felonia Milhouse von Pantsuit on November 10th, 2016. He was providing an explanation for all the silly things she's been babbling of late. It was a kindness. After all, if she wasn't Schiff-faced, then what's her excuse? With our glorious ruling class, it's all lies. It's all garbage. And Trump gleefully exposes it all. Mueller declares him innocent, and the Democrats claim this is actually... This is what shows Trump is more guilty of, of whatever he didn't do than they ever imagined. Who, who's the person who hears this and buys this? People notice when they're being scammed. Well, not stupid liberal people who buy into nonsense like socialism, global warming, and the idea that men can have babies. But n normal people do. What Trump is doing by highlighting their hapless hypocrisy is undermining not just the garbage policies that make up the Democrat dogma, but the entire notion that our liberal elite somehow consist of our betters.
These people are not our betters. They are our worsers, our much, much worsers. These self-satisfied liberal swells and their cruise shilling Fredocon collaborators brought us the Iraq War, the Wall Street collapse, and the last season of Game of Thrones. They are terrible, and one of the myriad things they are terrible at is lying to us. But Trump is really good at highlighting the indisputable truth of their terribleness, and that's why he'll win again in 2020. Now, I don't like to sit here and just read article after article to you, but tonight I'm going to go and back this one up with another article, which is... It's kind of weird for me to do this. But the reason I'm doing it is this is an article from an individual who really didn't have much of anything to do, uh, didn't want to have anything to do uh, with Trump at all. And I, I find it interesting because this person... Uh, he was not a Trump guy at all. For the most part, I'm having trouble finding this article. Ah, here we go. Here we go. While I'm looking for it, I have another one. By, uh, do you guys read Victor Davis Hanson? If you don't, you should. Um, he can be, if you just go into your favorite urch, uh, urch <laughs> your favorite urch engine, I like that. Go into your favorite Urch engine and and go find Victor Davis Hanson. Because he's pro-Trump now. And I don't think he was a pro-Trump guy before. But the man that I, that I wanted to mention, that I wanted to read the article from, because I found it now, is Hugh Hewitt. Hugh Hewitt I used to listen to religiously. He was broadcasting from Southern California, and then he moved and uh, got kind of semi-full of himself. And Salem pulled him up out of Southern California at uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon Pacific. And now he's on at 6 a.m. Eastern, which is 3 a.m. my time, which is why I'm not listening to Hugh Hewitt anymore. Hugh Hewitt was not a pro-Trump guy. And certainly his producer was not a pro-Trump guy. Now I find an article from Hugh Hewitt that's written for Yahoo News that says this. And when I saw this, you ever read an article by somebody that you think, oh, this is the last thing I would read from coming from them? That's true. This article from, from Hugh Hewitt is the last thing that I thought that I would ever be reading. But this is from Yahoo News by Hugh Hewitt. Why Trump will win in 2020 and it won't even be close. Okay, now, if I had a producer, what you would have heard is why Trump will, tw will win by 2020 and it won't even be close. Hello? But I don't have a producer, so that's not what you heard. So Hugh, Hugh Hewitt writes, the 2020 election isn't going to be close. That's an amazing sentence right off the bat. The first quarter gross domestic product growth of 
sets up the first reality that will be noted in November of 2020 because it telegraphs where the economy will be then, not in recession. Recessions are charted when GDP growth is negative for two consecutive quarters or more. That can and has occurred in sudden fashion. Financial panics don't send uh, save-the-date cards. But the economy over which President Trump is presiding is strong and getting stronger. Innovation is accelerating, not declining. A recession before Election Day looks less and less likely by the day. Small wonder, then, that Trump dominates the GOP with an approval rating above 80%. His administ- Now stop, stop right there for a second. That's not what the GOP is going to tell you. That's not what the rhinos in the GOP are going to tell you. His administration's deregulatory push is accelerating. More and more rule of law judges disciplined to accept bureaucrats' excuses for overregulation are being confirmed to the bench. Readiness levels in the U.S. military have been renewed. America's relationship with its strongest ally, Israel, is at its closest in decades. Meanwhile, the Democrats are facing a Hobbesian choice of Bernie Sanders or Kamala Harris or former Vice President Joe Biden. Sanders and Harris are too far to the left. Sanders by a lot. Biden is far past his best years. The nice folk lower down are looking for other rewards. The nomination going to somebody such as Pete Buttigieg, mayor of Indiana's South Bend, is possible, I suppose. But what happens when the dog chasing the car catches it? A very important point by Hugh Hewitt. What an entertaining and amusing side suddenly becomes a commitment, and with that, well, comes a barrage of attacks. Where Trump deflects incoming with ease, the Democrats scatter, some limping away, some blown out of the picture. This will come as news to hashtag resistance liberals, who are certain Trump will lose because they dislike him so much. They still haven't figured out that 40% of the country love him, and at least another 10% are very much committed to considering the alternative in comparison to Trump, not reflexively voting against him. That decile happens to be doing very well in this economy. Unemployment remains incredibly low. The markets are soaring. That's not a given for the fall of 2020, but better to be soaring than falling 18 months out. On immigration, border security has always been a legitimate concern and immigration and customs enforcement a legitimate agency. People don't talk about it as much as they decline to state anything that will see them labeled as racist. But the reality of open borders is understood to be an unqualified disaster by most of the country. And most of the country understands the Democrats to be arguing for a de facto open border system, if not a de jure one. The Green Deal sounds like a bad science fair project where the smart kids got the colors to to combine via an elaborate device and make all the, the lava flow black down the volcano's sides and the village is destroyed. Medicare for all is a Professor Harold Hill production headed for Iowa as the music man. There's not a lot of serious thinking or talking among the Democrats among and about the People's Republic of China and the nine-dash line in the South China Sea, which many may think is some sort of shorthand for their marks on the debate stage, or Huawei, which is just too complicated to try to debate in five-minute exchanges. Senator Elizabeth Warren's turn as Madame Defarge may even wake up some of the wealthy woke to their peril. It's a circus coming to a cable news network near you soon. Boy, do I have stories about that. Last week's message from a booming economy should have rocked the Democrat field. 
Alas, the party seems collectively intent on poring over the Mueller report yet again in the hope that somehow, someway, there's something there, despite what he said. But the probe is over. No collusion. No obstruction. Democrats have to campaign on something else besides a great economy, rising value of savings, low unemployment across every demographic, clarity about allies and enemies abroad, and a rebuilding military. It's a tough needle to thread, condemning everything about Trump except all that he's accomplished that President Barack Obama couldn't or wouldn't. Hugh Hewitt finally writes, That's not just tough. It's practically impossible. Then there's this. From the New York Times op-ed page. I find this very interesting. Which is why I'm sourcing it for you. Trump 2020 win projected by three different models. The projection of a, a really strong economy and this built-in advantage for an incumbent like Trump gives him a, a really big advantage in the re-election bid there in 2020. And that's funny. That's what a New York Times op-ed said. Stephen Ratner, who served as counselor to the Treasury Secretary in the Obama administration, he worked on the uh, auto industry bailouts, uh, explained in that New York Times piece that three, this is again, why you listen to me, and you're not going to hear this on the American media maggots, three separate projection models currently point to a win for Trump. One model by Ray Fair, a professor at Yale, projects uh, Trump's 2020 vote share as high as 56%, given the economic boom. And that doesn't account for voters' issues with the president's personality. Okay, say what you will about his personality. I go on deeds, not words. And the quote here is, as recent polls show if the election were today, he would lose to most of the Democrat hopefuls by a substantial margin, in the case of Joe Biden, by nearly eight percentage points, said Ratner. A recent Fox News poll found Democrat presidential frontrunner Joe Biden with a double-digit lead over Trump. Fair's model, which pegged Barack Obama's vote share nearly on the dot, showed Trump should have received 54% of the vote in 2016, but Trump actually got 48.8% against Hillary Clinton. I'm quite confident that the gap was a function of generally unfavorable rankings on Mr. Trump's personal qualities. And a Monmouth poll last week showed 37% of voters believe Trump should be uh, reelected and 60% prefer a new president. Ratner said, in addition to fair, two other projected models give Trump, however, a clear edge. Mark Zandi, the chief economist at Moody's Analytics, has looked at 12 models, and Mr. Trump wins in all of them. Donald Luskin of Trend Macrolytics has reached the same conclusion in his examination of the Electoral College. And this is the New York Times admitting this. This is the New York Times admitting this. Then we have Mueller. Now, if if Sackhead Sean gets back in sufficient time, my goal is to play the nine-minute press conference that Mueller conducted yesterday, kind of out of the out of the blue. I have a lot of thoughts about that, and I bet you do too. Um, and that press conference has thrown a ton of controversy and a ton of dog poo into the punch bowl. But I find it very interesting 
Do you not? Let me make this observation and see if you concur. Have you heard the, quote, air quotes, leadership of the Democrats call for outright lynching of President Trump, as in outright impeachment right here, right now, of of President Trump? Have you heard Nancy Pelosi say specifically, I am going for impeachment against President Trump? No. What about this? Don't you think it's strange that little Chucky Schumer has said nothing on this issue? Don't you think that's just a little weird? I have to say, it's kind of staggering. So, when Sean gets here, if he gets here, I, I want to do some some teening about that, as uh, Ricky Ricardo would have said. Because there are a whole bunch of things that you can say and think about it. Um, there's a whole bunch of people that say that with that press conference yesterday, Mueller just handed an impeachment directly over to the to Congress. My question is, really? Did he? What did he say? What did he really say about that? Um, let's see. I got about two more minutes. I think I can I can talk about these two articles really quickly. One observation, and this seems to be a continuing thread. CNN is really tanking. And I'm going to point to something else about CNN. It's not just, it didn't just tank on the back of Rachel Maddow when the Mueller report came out, because that was bad for CNN. This article that just came out, um, let's see. Oh, that's right. Today from Forbes.com says CNN dropped 26% in prime time as Fox News dominated the April cable ratings. And that is a continuing trend. But here's the funny thing. CNN, I don't know if you know this, they're about to move their their big old studios and operations to a big brand new building in New York's brand new and widely hated, as a matter of fact, Hudson Yards development. Except that timing being everything... Their ratings have plummeted 26%. Okay. The Tibetan bell ringing channel is getting more hits and more watches than CNN is anymore. This is reflective now of the writing on the wall. I know I'm up at a break. I want to go to this story real quick so that you understand the confluence between these two thoughts. Now I discover the New York Times is steering writers away from Maddow and other cable shows that now it seems to think, it being the old gray lady, the New York Times, think, huh, they might be a little bit partisan. The New York, this is from Mediaite.com. The New York Times is warning off editors and reporters from appearing on primetime MSNBC and CNN shows hosted by anchors like Rachel Maddow and Don Lamont, 
for fearing of appearing partisan, according to a new report. Sources told this guy at Vanity Fair named Joe Pompeo that, that managers at the New York Times now have been steering their journalists away from appearing on, you know, certain, air quote, certain news cable prab- uh, programs, problems, with a whole bunch of renewed vigor. Um, the no-go shows apparently are Rachel Madcow, Don Lamon, Lawrence O'Donnell's show on MSNBC, uh, and of course, Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson. You would never, ever, ever appear. You would never deign to appear on something as terrible as that. We're going to be right back after this. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Hey, this is Michael Wright. And I'm Shannon Wright. Join us for The Right Way with Shannon and Mike, Monday through Thursday from 7 to 9 a.m. right here on SHR Media. Why are they joining us? For fun things like sports, politics. Oh, maybe some news and entertainment? And all kinds of other things. Money and recipes and events, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so join us Monday through Thursday, 7 to 9 a.m. here on shrmedia.com. From a public locker inside a dilapidated Long Island rail station comes a show designed to piss off liberals using truth, facts, and ridicule. The Lid Radio Show, featuring the conservative voice from the People's Republic of New York, the Lid himself, Jeff Dunnitz. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the SHR Media Network. Go to shrmedia.com. At Lid Radio, we fight for the truth, justice, and a good kosher T-bone. If you don't listen, Hillary Clinton might sneak into your bedroom in her house coat late at night and blame you for her election loss. It's the Lid Radio Show with Jeff Dunnitz. Hey girls, Carry Girl Gear is here. More and more women every day are concealed carrying, participating in competitive shooting, and getting firearms training. It's not a boys club anymore, and we don't have to shop in their stores anymore either. Finally, a cool and unique clothing line just for women. Dope tees and hats for the patriotic concealed carry and 2A girl. So what are you waiting for? Go check out carrygirlgear.com today. It's your business diva here, Melanie Collette. I am inviting you to a front row seat as I discuss some of the most intriguing details of wealth and finance with today's movers and shakers in the world of business. Listen in and discover financial truths on a global, domestic, and household scale. Uncover topics that will impact your wallet today and in the future. Money Talk with Melanie airs Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. East, 2 p.m. West, right here on SHR Media and High Plains Pundit Talk Radio. You can't afford to miss it. The new show on the SHR Media Network, Sackheads Against Tyranny. On shrmedia.com, go there quick like a bunny, 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific, every Wednesday, live and direct on the SHR Media Network, shrmedia.com, be there. 
For 50 years, I've seen the American people blinded by corrupt politicians, a lapdog media, and deceptive Islam. The one thing the elites fear is one man with a cane. I'm Dave Milner. Join me through Spreaker, iTunes, and SoundCloud, through SHR Media and the Western Free Radio Network for half a century of experienced perspective on political and social issues, weekly on The Unpleasant Blind Guy. And catch me on Jeff Mitchell's EDL Radio on blogtalkradio.com. There's no surrender ever. Because truth is not always pleasant. Broadcasting behind enemy lines in occupied California, a mere two miles from the state capitol, the bloviating Zeppelin's Berserk Bobcat Saloon Radio Show can be heard every Tuesday and Thursday night at 8 p.m. Pacific and 11 p.m. Eastern, only on the SHR Media Network. Go to shrmedia.com to listen. You can also watch on the SHR Media Facebook page and the SHR Media YouTube channel. No goldfish were abused in the making of this ad. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the final 25. It's the final 25 minutes of the Bloviating Zeppelin's Preserved Bobcat. Did you say children of all Asians? Yes, children of all the Asians. Not some Asians, not a couple of Asians, not Asians in Indiana. I mean all Asians. You know what's funny is... What is funny? When we were first... I thought I knew what's funny. I'm not so sure anymore. When, when Clint and I were first starting out, and we were still doing our 15-minute podcasts on uh, uh, Sackheads, you know, you upload to whatever uh, uh, distributor you use. You know, and I, I forget which one we were using at the time. It was, we're using. Uh, it was before Blog Talk, even I think. I think before. Sure. Wow. Okay. I think. We were using uh, the predecessors to bot Podbean, and uh, you know what? I bet you Dave Milner will be able to name it. But either way, but you can see your analytics, and it, it isn't like it is now, where it's so well defined. At the time, you'd only get the country really. Um, they show you the world map, and then different colors for how many listeners. And our first listener out of country ever was in Japan, and it was every week. Like clockwork. Really? Yes. That would be amusing to find out Well, where people come from. That when, would be really amusing. When we went to Blog Talk and we swapped over, I got an email, and I don't even know if it was my public email. I don't, I don't remember which email. But it was from a United States Marine that was stationed in Okinawa. Oh, that's really cool. And he said, hey, that's really cool. Me and my buddies listening to your podcast on a regular basis. It's not showing up where it was. Um, and where can we find it now? So I, I told him and we started a back and forth conversation, emailed him. And every once in a while, I still get an email from him and I say hi. He's this is long ago. He's actually out of the service now. But I always thought that was the coolest thing. And then as time went on, you know, and BTR analytics and all the other analytics started popping up. All of a sudden, like, we would get a huge abundance of listeners in the Ukraine, especially when Russia invaded Crimea the first time. Ukraine? We would get Ukraine and Georgia, not the state, the country, um, as well, which I thought was pretty amazing uh, that they were probably uh, trying to get maybe the American perspective. I don't know. I don't know what it was. But, yeah, the Ukraine was our big uh, uh, Slavic oh, block, if oh, you will. That makes me wonder if... You know, 
I would love to find out where people listen to this show. I can show you. Um, my guess would be mostly the East. Well, you know, I'm not even so sure about that. I, 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 I am at a loss. I really don't know where I, I bet would you say you'll the, have the more bulk. international listeners than you think. I would love to find that out. Um, that would be amazing. And it was really cool. Uh, but yeah, so I thought that was interesting. And I, I actually, um, it, we were talking about Iran, go figure, years ago. And I forget which incident it was, but it was when we were first started out too. And we had a lot of listeners around Iran and all the countries around Iran, which I assume were proxying into Iran. Um, but yeah, that was the other one we did too that I thought was pretty neat. By the way, I really like your patch on your oh, hat. Thank you. Did you see the back? You didn't see the back of it, did you? No. Here, let me turn around. Nice. I like it. Huh? I like it. Okay, for folks that are listening on Spreaker and you, you're not on the video thing, <clears throat> I have a new little green hat. Then on the front, I've got a patch that says bloviating Zeppelin. Easy. And then on the back, I've got a, a another patch that says shrmedia.com. pretty damn impressive, I must it's, say. It's a nice one. I must say. <clears throat> I'd like to play the nine minute minute because it, it it really isn't all that long. A uh, cut from Bob Mueller, and then I'd like to discuss with Sean all the potential implications of this, <laughs> and there are a ton. And I mean, it is split right down the center, and the people that were partisan left are still, and the people that are partisan right are still. But I want to. I want to kind of parse this a little bit and then find out if you didn't hear it. What's your take on this from Skeletal Bob at the podium? Uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for being here. Two years ago. Oh, come on. Oh, the acting there attorney general asked me to serve as special counsel, and he created the special counsel's office. The appointment order directed the office to investigate Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election. This included investigating any links or coordination between the Russian government and individuals associated with the Trump campaign. This guy is excited, more exciting now, than John Kerry. I have not spoken publicly during oh, our yeah. investigation. I'm speaking out today because our investigation is complete. The Attorney General has made the report on our investigation largely public. We are formally closing the Special Counsel's office, and as well, I'm resigning from the Joining Department of Justice Victoria to return to private life. Okay, I'll make so a few remarks about the results of our work. So he quit right up front. But beyond these, yeah. Few so that's that's the first thing that I took away from that. Yep, I'm done. Is that he wants us to know immediately? that he's done, he's gone, mm -hmm. and he puts a lot of emphasis on this. Going important. back to private life. Yes. In other words, I don't want anything else to do with this shit. Yeah, because if you haven't gotten it, he's going to emphasize that again here in just a bit. That the office's written work speak for itself. Let me begin where the appointment order begins, and that is interference in the 2016 presidential election. As alleged by the grand jury in an indictment, Russian intelligence officers who were part of the Russian military launched a concerted attack on our political system. The okay, stop right here. 
Is there anybody else out there besides me that think that the bulk of leftists don't give one ragged fuck about what Mueller is talking about right now? Russians who colluded and tried to steal our election? That's not what we're interested in. Here's And the most amazing part, out of everything in the Mueller report, this, to me, is the most interesting, and this is definitely the part that should be focused on and dealt with. Yeah, but isn't. No, 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 nobody gives a shit. Yeah. But the reality of the situation is the Russian government, Vladimir Putin and friends, were trying to interfere. They were trying to. And I said this before. I don't know if I said it on air before. Look, if the Mueller report came out and was truthful, which it isn't, and said, hey, look, we did a report. They tried to get in touch with the Trump campaign. They were shut down there. They tried to get in touch with the Clinton campaign. They were shut down there. And life went on. If this investigation was legitimately about the rushing interference with the American election, I would be so much more interested in something he has to say. But it's not. And yeah. we all know it's not. Yeah, because we would appreciate the honesty and clarity if that was the true focus. Y- yes, because that's what it was supposed to be about. I digress. We move on. Um, yeah. Okay. Take it, Bob. Indictment alleges that they use sophisticated cyber techniques to hack into computers and networks used by the Clinton campaign. Oh, let me let me bring this up also. The Russians that they're talking about, this is now actually a moot point because they're not even in the United States. Well, what did I say last time we discussed this? They're in Russia. Why, plus, why aren't we bombing Russia? Plus... The people that he put indictments out for are some of the people that, and you don't hear this, went to, of all places, Facebook for ads. Yes. But you don't hear that. They stole private information and then released that information through fake online and identities and through the organization WikiLeaks. The releases were designed and timed to interfere with our election and to damage a presidential candidate. And at the same time as the grand jury alleged in a separate indictment, mm. a private Russian entity engaged in a social media operation where Russian citizens posed as Americans in order to influence an, an election. Pause it for a sec. These indictments contain... Two things. One, Kaiser, I did not forget about Uranium One. I was just talking specifically about the, this scope right here right number two about russian citizens posing as americans the fact that this is even brought up is stupid look during any election in any cycle in just about any country i can make a facebook profile go on claim to be a a citizen of that country and go ahead the problem is the stupidity of people in this country to believe everything they read on the internet being true and to assume that everything they're being told is truthful from people they barely know. Well, i.e. what happens with mainstream media and the Democrats almost every fucking day of the week. It's like telling people who get on a bicycle that before you mount that bicycle, you got to wear a bicycle helmet or a full shield, full face helmet, and you have to be wearing a Nerf suit because we know you can't figure this stuff out. So we're going to have to figure it out for you because you're children and we know better than you. I said back in the day during the election when this, you know, they were talking about the Russians and Facebook during the election. I said, 
If you made your voting decision on something that you've read off of Facebook without individually verifying it, shame on you. You're a moron. You are a moron. And I don't care who you voted for. You're a moron. Allegations. And we are not commenting on the guilt or the innocence of any specific defendant. Okay. (laughs) Let me stop right there. Are you getting the sense that this guy is about as comfortable as, you know, a, a nice snowball in the flaming fires of hell? Long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs? Yeah. 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 This guy is about as comfortable making this statement as mm, not. Yeah. Trump Every supporter in San Francisco. Innocent unless yeah. and until proven guilty. The indictments allege and the other activities in our report describe efforts to interfere in our political system. They needed to be investigated and understood. And that is among the reasons why the Department of Justice established our office. Sorry. The sad part is, is the FBI should have been trusted to investigate this by themselves. As corrupt as it was, obviously it could not. And we know it was corrupt. There's no question of the upper echelon. But an outside country's interference in our elections could have been done by the FBI, maybe a joint operation with the CIA, so the overseas stuff gets handled, whatever. And we should have been able to trust them to do it appropriately. But we didn't, so a special counsel had to be appointed. Now, again, we know the politics behind why the special counsel was appointed. There's no question about it. But the reality of the situation is we should have been able to trust and at that point, the trust was already gone from the FBI, the upper echelon, the seventh floor. Go ahead. Uh, before I do that, I, I, I want to get in this, into this, too. Um, I'm going to go even before that. We know that Dianne Feinstein had a Chinese informant oh, yeah. leak in her office. Yeah. This was back in 1996. Yep. We know that Dianne Feinstein and her husband, whose name escapes me right now, her oh. husband works deeply and has worked for quite a serious period of time on behalf of Chinese interests in America. Therefore, Dianne Feinstein, because she was on the Senate Intelligence Committee, had a great amount of input into the influence that China did or did not have. And that will wrap in Uranium One on the theory of Uranium One is on that same theory as the China and Feinstein. Yes, But the difference is this. Why was it that though she knows specifically it was discovered there was a mole, it turned out to be her driver. Wasn't a mole. In her, literally in her office, driving her everywhere, literally for at least 10 years. Listen to every conversation. Privy to conversations, privy to cell phone conversations, responsible for cleaning up her desk, responsible for whatever kind of intimate conversations. How many did he place? You have... You don't know. Right. You just don't know unless she had that place swept, and my guess would be not. No, because we, as we know, Democrats don't like anyone to look into their personal or, or, or private lives because they're Democrats. Well, except when uh, Brennan spies on the Senate but that's okay. and Diane Feinstein takes a little umbrage to that. That's kind of okay. But the point I'm trying to make is Diane Feinstein got a professional heads up by the FBI. Mm-hmm. As in DiFi, we think you've got a mole 
a trader within your department. And we're going to give you this information up front. And we want you to work with us on this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Demerat. Now, if the FBI had similar information to indicate to them that there was some kind of a terrible, heinous Russian Trump campaign election slash whatever the hell link in the Trump Tower, why didn't Trump, then a private citizen, get the same professional courtesy as somebody else? But and he, targeted. And, and, and targeted. So... This it's a rhetorical nothing, question, I know. It is we rhetorical, know, we it know is the rhetorical question, right. and we do know the answer. But no one is asking that question. That is also a reason we investigated efforts to obstruct the investigation. The matters we investigated were of paramount importance. It was critical for us to obtain full and accurate information from every person we questioned. When a subject of an investigation obstructs that investigation or lies to investigators, it strikes at the core of their government's effort to find the truth and hold wrongdoers accountable. Let me say a word about the report. The report has two parts, addressing the two main issues we were asked to investigate. The first volume of the report details numerous efforts emanating from Russia to influence the election. This volume includes a discussion of the Trump campaign's response to this activity, as well as our conclusion that there was insufficient evidence to charge a broader conspiracy. And in the second volume, the report describes the results. I just want to note something, too. You know, this is... uh, This is before Trump was president that the investigation is focusing on. We're focusing on the Russian interference, and everybody in this country is outraged. Now, I'm outraged. I'm outraged because it's Russia. I'm not outraged because they've tried. It's Russia, and even then, Obama was still trying to play nicey-nice with them on some weird level. Even though the the only right thing that Mitt Romney's ever said in 20 years is the number one geopolitical threat to America is Russia. But the reality of the situation is, this was, what, less than a year after Obama administration interfered with the Israeli election and tried to get Bibi kicked out of office? Oh, they, 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 they Everyone threw, forgets that. They threw money. Millions. Millions. American dollars. At his tax opponent. dollars. And that was a concerted, yep. positive decision by the Obama yep. administration to do that. So if you're talking influence peddling, look back at number 44 in the White House. Yep. Go on. Sorry. No, that that's a perfect. And there's another point that uh, John made in the chat room. And he said, listen to this guy. There's uh, I don't see it right here. I don't have it up. But somewhere in YouTube, there's an examination that's about 14 minutes. I heard part of it today where they're examining the body language of Mueller, and they're concluding that much of it has to do with fear and lies. Well, that's because the AG report and the IG report. That that he's he's displaying these things as he's he's speaking, and then John Apley puts out in chat, listen to him breathe. Yeah. He's having trouble breathing. He's he that he's making a great emphasis on He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be there, but but we're going to talk about this when we get through. What's his motivation? Fight or flight. Let's, let's continue. An analysis of our obstruction of justice investigation involving the president. 
the order appointing me special counsel. In other words, he's uncomfortable being here, so you have to ask the question, why? Yep. Authorized us to investigate actions that could obstruct the investigation. And we conducted that investigation and we kept the office of the acting attorney general apprised of the progress of our work. And as set forth in the report after that investigation, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. We did not, however, make a determination as to... Okay, let me, let me, start, let me stop and examine that point now, just for a second. Um, Nancy Pelosi said, basically, that she's gravely dispo- uh, disappointed in the Justice Department. Yes. But she wants an ironclad case against Trump before she makes the positive decision to go all in on impeachment. Pick me. Ooh. Okay. Ooh, ooh Mr. All right. And, Mr. Kata. And my point is, she she might have a very serious point, because when your goal is to, and your stated goal is to, to kill the king, you better damn well make sure that you slay his ass completely in seconds, because if you don't, he is coming after you back with all of his troops, he's coming back. Yes, sir. The other thing, too, is that may be the most lucid thing that Nancy Pelosi's ever said. Look, we all know. In some time. Yeah, we all know We all know what they want. I don't think Pelosi and Biden want this. We talked about that earlier because neither one's really come out. They know it'll kill them politically long term, and it will, I believe. But Pelosi saying, look, I want ironclad before we move forward is actually a very mature thing to say of like look if, I, if, I don't disagree if not there's at all. if there is something there and even you know where there's smoke I want to see the fire before I start putting water on it I want to make sure that there's actually something before we impeach an American president I'm okay with that statement well see this is this goes back to Kavanaugh okay yep. prove a negative yep this this throws Rule of law right out completely the window. out the door with the baby and the bathwater. It's like with Kavanaugh. Okay, Sean, I had a collision with you back in 1982, and I was injured back then. Yep. And you gave me a note saying yep. that you were going to give me $10,000 to repair my car. You haven't done it, you son of a bitch. Where's the note? Okay, so now how do I prove that that's something that happened? And I can't. It's dispositive. Well, he says, Mueller says, but I can't exonerate him. Wait, 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 nobody can. Oh, okay. That's not your job. Uh, okay, so when did it become, when did the onus go to Donald Trump to prove his innocence? Yes. That's the same Kavanaugh situation that we're in right now. Except- how do you prove a negative? What happened to the rule of law? Mueller has essentially reversed American law. What happened to innocent before proven guilty? That presumption. The Democrats have been in American for law. this for a long time. It's the emotional response versus the literal and factual response. To be upset about something, it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong or it happened or didn't happen, is to just be upset at something. They're looking for a reason to be outraged. They play the emotions. Look, when you get charged with a crime in this country, I'm pretty sure in all 50 states and on a federal level, there is probable cause that is presented. 
then it falls, the burden falls on the state, i.e. literally the state or the federal government, to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you committed said crime by a jury of your peers. Now, if they cannot do that, you get a not guilty and you walk out the door. You don't get a he did it, but we couldn't prove it and walk out the door. And we've talked before a couple of weeks ago of different circumstances where that could happen. Look, I know I know plenty of cops who've let somebody go and they're like, I know we did it. I just can't prove it. That's yep. what, that, that's a reality. But that's the system. That's it's how it the works. the best we've got and that's how it functions. But And that's just a reality. Now, the only time somebody gets exonerated is, look, you're arrested, charged. You're about to go to court for, I'm just going to throw out murder just because it's one that everyone can understand. And then all of a sudden, a day before you go to court, somebody comes up with the videotape of the murder that nobody ever saw before, and it's clearly not you in the videotape. Exculpatory evidence has been submitted. So now you're exonerated because the murder you... Now, that doesn't mean you weren't an accessory. I'm talking about the specific charge of murder in this case. It is clearly not you. Full facial recognition, you know, a million different reasons why you can prove it's not you. You're then exonerated of that specific crime. But the state didn't exonerate you. The evidence exonerated you. And when you can't prove the evidence, then you are technically exonerated if they can't charge you. They can't even charge him. What? They can't even get, go to a grand jury. They can't even indict. There wasn't enough evidence to do it either way. That's what everybody's forgetting. So by saying... I, I, I can't disprove that he did nothing wrong. That says, I don't have probable cause. Look, threshold inquiry, reasonable suspicion, probable cause, beyond a reasonable doubt. That's the four steps of the criminal justice system. Well, the other thing that I'd like to point out, and and we're at 10 o'clock right now. Uh, so a uh, couple minutes. Yeah, we're, we're, we're still going to continue here. Um, I want to ri- remind everybody of this. Conservative media done right. You're listening to the SHR Media Network. Okay, so I've done my duty for the top of the hour. You'll but I, re- I want to remind, thank you very much, my, my shameless contract. I want to remind everybody specifically what Mueller just said. He said, quote, if we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. We did not, however, make a determination as to whether the president did commit a crime. So Mueller, by that admission, says, essentially, I didn't even do my job. Well, I had a job to do, and I didn't even do that. Well, and the amazing part is, is... And it's not his job to make the determination. It's his job to line up the evidence and submit all that evidence to the DOJ, to the Attorney General, just like it was Comey's job to submit the evidence, not come to a conclusion, but submit that to the Attorney General. But Comey came to a conclusion. Yes, he did. And Mueller came but, to a conclusion but, that there wasn't enough evidence to move forward and bar agreement. That's not Comey's job. That's not Mueller's job. Mueller didn't do his job. Well, and here's the other thing, too, about all of that. And I've said this time and again. By him saying we could not prove that the president didn't do anything, well, all he's what, saying what is, is yeah, all he's saying is, is there's no clear way, and I know people spun this out of control, First of all, that's not his job. So what he could very well be saying is, 
that, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm going to factually state that, but I'm going to say it in a very diluted way so it's hard to interpret. But by saying we couldn't essentially exonerate the president, well, if you weren't doing your investigation to exonerate, and if you were doing your investigation to prove it, Russian interference... What sh- the, the question should be then, what the fuck was your threshold yes. then? What's the point? Yes. To not exonerate... To my th- way of thinking means, uh, because in a, in a court of law, it has to be one of two ways, guilty or not or guilty, not guilty. So what Mueller told to me and you, we both have a, a criminal law type background. We know how this functions is he, it, I couldn't exonerate him. Uh, hello, not guilty. I can't charge him. But again, not your job to say whether he's not guilty. Your job, Bob was to line the ducks up, put it in a report, and ship it over to the AG. Your job was to find out if the Russians interfered and on what level, and then if that led to any American wrongdoing, then you deal with that as well. But your job was not to specifically focus on the president. I digress. Except That's that it happened. became... Uh, God, I... Okay. I want to go so many places. Right I know. Now. I, I know. Yeah, I know. But okay, we're going to continue with this. Whether the president did commit a crime, the introduction to the volume two of our report. Exp- okay, now he mentions crime, but he doesn't talk about not guilty. If he, if the threshold is crime, then what he just told us is the president's not guilty. Except that's not what he said. So how partisan is that? Planes. That decision. It explains that under long-standing department policy, a president president cannot be charged with a federal crime while he is in office. That is unconstitutional. Okay, stop. Mueller made that decision. Yep. He's saying he made that decision. Yep. So he's circumventing the point of the investigation in the first place. It's not a law. It's just a preference. It, it it is yes. It's not something. Uh, it's not a, a UCMJ or it's, it's not, not a, a USC, a United States Code. That's that's a rule and regulation that DOJ adheres to. Yep. At what point did that stop his investigation? At no point. And when did that change? That rule changed under Janet Reno for the Clinton. Imagine after the Clinton. that. Yeah. Imagine. That that changed after the Clinton investigation where the Democrats went, oh, shit, we almost lost it on that one because, you know, uh, President No Pants uh, got himself in the, uh, a cigar room. So they changed that ruling because up until then you could. But I digress. Go on. See, this is Mueller putting. No, he didn't just put his thumb on the scale. He didn't just put his hand or arm on the scale. He didn't just put his elbow on the scale. Uh, he he got up all six foot two and maybe 130 pounds of him dripping wet. He got up and put his entire damn body on the scale. He's still, I submit, not doing his job. Even if the charge is kept under seal and hidden from public view. That, too, is prohibited. 
The special counsel's office is part of the Department of Justice. Wait, stop. Bob, if you thought this, why didn't you go back to the DOJ, to either Rosenstein or now Barr, and have a convo with them and saying, if you're not going to let me do my job here, and this statue, in my mind, keeps me from doing my job, I'm stepping down, what's the point of doing this? He didn't do that, which again indicates to me, this is wildly partisan. And just for the record, you mentioned Rosenstein. Look, We've all seen what happens when all these hacks leave the office. The first thing they do is Comey's out against Trump. Everyone's out against Trump, right? All these former Obama staffers. Rosenstein left office and has had nothing but negative things to say about Comey. Yeah. He hasn't once said anything about the Barr decision, anything about Mueller report. Like, yeah, well, you know, that uh, I was overruled on that. I wanted that to get prosecuted. No, he has not. You're right. You're right. You're right. He has not once said anything similar to Barr is biased. Barr told me not to say this. Yep. Barr is lying when yep. he makes this reference. Not once has Rosenstein said anything. anything. Nope. Like that. That's an excellent. That's where, that's where he gets a little credibility back with me because I'm like, yes. all right, you're not going full partisan hack. As a matter of fact, you're calling out all these other guys for going full partisan hack. You make an excellent Justice point. And by regulation, it was bound by that department policy. Charging yeah, the president bullshit. with a crime was therefore not an option we could consider. The department's written. Up- so again, why why didn't you just stop and say if you're not if you're not going to let me do my job, I'm going to go back to my civilian practice. Opinion explaining the policy makes several important points that further informed our handling of the obstruction investigation. Those points are summarized in our report, and I will describe two of them for you. First, the opinion explicitly, explicitly permits the investigation of a sitting president because it is important to preserve evidence while memories are fresh and documents available. Among other things, that evidence could be used if there were co-conspirators who could be charged now. And second, the opinion says that the Constitution requires a process other than the criminal justice system to formally accuse a sitting president of wrongdoing. So you know where this is going. What he just did... Is throw it over to Congress is, and say, your is, turn. Is say, um, I'm done with this. I'm I'm sitting here in front of you. To me, this is him telecasting. Um, now, Congress, the ball's in your court. I've done as much as I can do for you. Now you need to do the rest. A couple things to point out, too, though. Look, during the Trump campaign, after he was a verified candidate, he had Secret Service assigned to him 24-7. I doubt... Maybe I'm wrong that he personally met with any Russian agents, correct? I because you would have let's, it, let's it, play into the Democrats' idea that he did collude. All right. So okay. you can't charge the president. He's okay. the sitting president. All right. Um and he had Secret Service with him who can be subpoenaed and, and forced to uh, report what happened. Yeah, they're not a priest. So throw that aside. So he didn't meet with any Russian agents. If there was collusion, like you just said, you can charge co conspirators. So if, it's almost impossible if you're going to accuse Trump of Russian collusion that he was the one meeting with people. So there would be co-conspirators, probably 10, 20, uh, uh, it may be a handful, but there would be a few. They can't even prove charges against a co-conspirator. So if you can't do that, then 
he either did it all by himself. Magically. Or there's no evidence to support any length of collusion. But you won't just say that. So you're going to say all of this bullshit. That's right. I it's my determination that I'm going to smoke. I'm going to throw at least a pound of smegma in the punch bowl. Because as I said before about this investigation, as soon as they had proof that he colluded, it would have been everywhere. Oh, you. Two cops can keep a secret. Two Hells Angels can keep a secret if one is dead. Yep. Department policy, we were guided by principles of fairness. It would be unfair to potentially... It would be unfair to potentially accuse somebody of a crime when there can be no court resolution of the actual charge. But the co-conspirators, you could. Yes. So that was Justice Department policy. Those were the principles under which we operated. And from them, we concluded that we would would not reach a determination one way or the other about whether the president committed a crime. Okay, stop. In my opinion, in, in my view, this is him pushing away from the investigation, saying my excuse for not being able to adequately complete my job is those terrible, screwed up DOJ rules and regulations. I should have been unfettered. This is when he went partisan. This is where he essentially said, look, I couldn't do anything, but that doesn't mean because the House is owned by the Dems that you can't yeah, impeach. You can't do the impeachment thing just because I couldn't. This is a clear broadcast. But- that is the office's. That is the office's final position, and we will not comment on any other conclusions or hypotheticals about the president. We conducted an independent. You just did. <laughs> well, you that, just did everything leading one. up to that. You just did after that one investigation, and reported the results to the attorney general, as required by department regulations. Funky tut. The attorney general then concluded that it was appropriate to provide our report to Congress, and to the American people. At one point in time, I requested that certain portions of the report be released. The Attorney General preferred to make the the entire report public all at once. He's still out of breath. He's still tongue-tied. And this is not extemporaneous. He's reading this off of copy. Here's the best part. Why is he so tongue-tied and messed up on this? I think I know why. Well, he's stressed. He's worried. He's major stressed Well, because, and he just nailed it. I said that only certain parts of it should have been released. The Attorney General decided to release the vast majority of it. So now everybody in the world is going to be able to go in and dissect the failures of, and I said this the other day, he's either incompetent or there was no crime. His team was either incompetent, the smartest investigative mind, $25 million, how many agents, 50-something agents. Tons of agents, subpoenas. And they couldn't prove it. So either... Trump is an absolute criminal mastermind genius or Mueller's team sucked or nothing happened. This this reminds me of a case that I was involved in with the FBI. This occurred many, many years ago, so I can talk about it, called Woodworker, where we had task forces and tons of people, and we were all going to conduct raids on 20 to 25 different locations all across the United States. There were drugs involved. There were bad guys. We didn't even get a fucking Advil out of that. Yeah. And we appreciate that the Attorney General made the report largely public, and I certainly do not question the Attorney General's good faith in that decision. 
Now, I hope and expect this to be the only time that I will speak to you in this manner. Nope. Does he really? Nope. He'll be on, he'll be on all the news networks soon. Oh, oh, just, just you wait. Unless. When, I fin- when we finish with this, I think we've got some more comments, don't you? Unless one of the caveats near the end, and maybe it was, is that, uh, hey, for you to resign, you have to sign this uh, uh, non-disclosure act. We don't know, do we? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I am making that decision myself. No one has told me whether I can or should testify or speak further about this matter. There has been discussion about an appearance before Congress. Any testimony from this office would not go beyond our report. It contains our findings and analysis and the reasons for the decisions we made. We chose those words carefully and the work speaks for itself. And the report is... Okay. Bob, if the report speaks for itself, why are you here because, talking because nervously out of breath to us? Why? Well, and I'm sure, too, that I, I almost guarantee, look, if A.G. Barr knew exactly what he was going to say right here, he wouldn't have let him speak from the DOJ. He would have just let him resign and walk away. I have a feeling Mueller presented this like, hey, I just want to kind of close the door on this. I want to go out and give a speech and say, we're done. The investigation's over, and that way it'll give closure to people. And then he spewed this out. I do not think the DOJ thought this was coming. This is my testimony. I would not provide information beyond that which is already public in any appearance before Congress. In addition, access to our underlying work product is being decided in a process that does, that does not... Imp- okay, Sean, let me ask you this question. Yeah. Do you think Mueller's being... Ob- excuse me. Do you think he's being honest no. with us when he says, I don't want to testify, I don't want to yes. appear, yes. as far as I'm concerned, this is done, and I will not willingly cooperate in the future with this? As far as I'm concerned, I am fini. I do not want to appear. Yeah, he does not want to appear, and here is why. Yes. If he appears, he's going to be put under oath. If he's put under oath, he can be cross-examined by Republicans. Yes. If he's cross-examined by Republicans, he's going to have an issue with A.G. Barr's investigation looming. He's under oath. When you're under oath in Congress, it, it that can be utilized later He's in court. subject to the same thing that he subjected others to. So if he says, if he is overtly dishonest to a Republican uh, House of Representatives or a congressman through a cross-examination, and then it comes out through the bar invest or the, what's it, Dunham Durham, uh, the guy from yeah. Connecticut uh, Durham, investigation right. that this was in fact not true, and now he lied to Congress. Guess what can happen to uh, 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 um, Bobby Munster there? Well, that's what you want to do as a prosecutor. You take a subject, put them on the stand, and get them to make a statement well, so that their statement is locked in. And then once that statement is made, like Mueller could potentially do if he's called in front of Congress, then that gives you information from which to impeach his testimony if you have contra-testimony. And, and I'll tell you right now, where this happens a lot is DUIRS defense attorneys they will get the officer into a dmv hearing where they are sworn in but it's not court more often than not the team the, the the police officer if the 
they didn't do anything accurately or disaccurately, whatever. But at the DMV hearing, they're much more laid back than they would be at court because it's just a DMV hearing, right? And then they try to catch them in some sort of lie, exaggeration, whatever. I'm not saying that it happens a lot, but I had a defense attorney tell me that is most of the time in a DMV hearing, which you're still sworn in, it's still admissible in court, and you're under oath. That more likely than not, if there was any wrongdoing done by an officer or negligence, he just screwed up or whatever, it would come out and then he could present that in court. And if the officer testifies to that in court that he didn't do that, and then you say, well, wait a minute, we, we have you, this. You are formally archiving a statement. Yes. The likes of which can be used if there's oppos- if there's opposing testimony yes. and your previous statement is subject to being impeached. Yep. So that's exactly what he's afraid of. So what he's saying with is, look, my statement is the statement. I don't think he thought Trump would ever declassify everything. And now we're going to know exactly the methodology that they used to, for this investigation. They're not going to expose the methodology of spying and all that other yeah, stuff. The, 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 they the means will, of that will not. That's they not They will absolutely explore the methodology used by the Mueller investigation involve our office. So beyond what I've said here today and what is contained in our written work, I do not believe it is appropriate for me to speak further about the investigation or to comment on the actions of the Justice Department or Congress. And it's for that reason I will not be taking questions today as well. Now before I step away, I want to thank the attorneys, the FBI agents, the analysts, the professional staff who helped us conduct this investigation in a fair and independent manner. He's wondering if Hillary already These wrote a suicide note. These individuals who spent nearly two years with the special counsel's office were of the highest integrity. And I will close by reiterating the central allegation of our indictments yeah. that there were multiple I'd be systematic too. efforts to interfere in our election. Sorry. And that allegation deserves the attention of every American. Thank you. Thank you for being here today. Then they throw a question at him. Sir, if you're subpoenaed, do you want to There's no question. So the, the question then remains, to whom is he answerable? He doesn't want to be answerable to anybody else, and he sure as hell doesn't want to appear. Now, IG Nadler... Nadler has said that he'd like to get him in to answer questions. Will he subpoena him? That's a good question. And quite frankly, and I've said this for some time, and I think most of all the, the Republicans in, in, in at least the House uh, Judiciary Committee would love to get him in there so that they could lock him into a statement. Well, and also the Durham investigation. Is it Durham? Yeah, it is Durham. Yeah, the Durham investigation, too. They may... Uh, we don't know force him. We don't know what they've got. Yeah. Plus, we discovered that his investigation has been going almost like a week or two, only a, a, a short period of time after Barr got in there. Barr talked to this guy named Durham and got him going on this stuff before he said zip on the to anybody else. Yep, and I don't even think the uh, Mueller's people knew. I have a feeling they went to Durham because he's trustworthy, he's safe, he got his other team all together and said, uh, look, I need you to start looking into this because we pretty much know based on the IG report, Strask page, all that other stuff, we know shit's fucking sideways. So we need something to look at this. 
And by the way, I don't know why Democrats are so afraid of looking into the First and foremost, it's not a two-year, multi-million-dollar campaign, 75 people, whatever. To have the investigators who are investigating the President of the United States double-checked, if he did nothing wrong and you were 100% confident in that and you were 100% positive in what you did and Mueller's ability and everybody else involved, then you wouldn't even sweat this. You'd be like, no, it's a great idea. You know what? I want everyone to know that what Robert Mueller did was 100% balls accurate. Okay, great. Well, I, I read an article by Kurt Schlichter. When everyone wants transparency and declassifying documents was great, when it clearly favored uh, the Democrats, the, the Democrats, or so they thought, then transparency was wonderful. You bet. Uh, they made they made a movie about declaring and and, and revealing all the documents. In um, all the president's men, yep. the Washington Post, etc. It used to be that everybody loved transparency. Now, to reveal documents is to, oh, that goes against every fundamental thing that we stand for in America. <laughs> Whiskey deal, that is a technical term. Ball's accurate. Um, <laughs> no, it's dead nuts, right? It's a construction term. You want to make sure that, that that's plumb and dead nuts. Um but that's where it's at right now. Like you said, everyone wanted transparency until transparency can hurt. And when transparency can hurt, all of a sudden you don't want transparency. It reminds me of, uh, I always remember this line from the original uh, Incredibles movie, the Disney movie, um, when the bad guy is talking about why he wants to make everybody have the ability to be a super. And he said, because when everybody's super, nobody is. And very nice. And that's I always think of stuff with that statement and stuff like this. When everybody's transparent, then all of a sudden there's a problem. You, when you have selective transparency. Yeah. Imagine that. Yep. Um hey, you know what? Monkey butt. Monkey <laughs> butt. That People is not don't know my that this dog. is from Doctor Strangelove. Yep. Peter uh, Sellers. Yep. That is not my dog. It's still <laughs> one of my favorite lines ever from Peter Sellers' movie. Does your dog bite? No, <laughs> my dog does not bite. <laughs> guy gets bitten and says, but I said that that is not <laughs> my dog. <laughs> great movie. Okay, folks. We had a great time tonight. We talked to Ray J in the first hour. Sean came in here, had a great time. Um, thanks for being here tonight. I got to tell you, my promotional consideration is by the Lockheed Martin Scuff Works and also by the Boeing Company. If it ain't Boeing, I ain't going. Still trust Boeing. And also by the Pratt and Whitney Engine Company, providing thrust you can trust. And also, just for tonight, one time only this week. The Allahu snack bar where there's just a little bit of Muhammad in every bite. Yeah. Tiara's by My Little Pony. It's a little gamey. I know. Yeah, that's true. And also, uh, thanks to my personal KC-135 Kettle One refueling team with whom I will be consorting in less than an hour. God bless them. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Be safe. I'll see you next Tuesday. Thanks for having me. Thank Th- you to all the listeners. Yep. Thanks Thank for you. having me, too. God bless. Take care. Have a great weekend. Quiet down now and get some sleep. Good night, everybody. Good night, Mama. Good night, Ben. Good night, everyone.
Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy. Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth. Good night, John Boy. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. What's going on? I was asleep. What's everybody doing? Good night, Good night Jim Bob. Jim Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, and good luck. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.